It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun today. I do want to take a minute or two, first of all, to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. I had a call with my business coach recently, and I'm really thankful for the great ideas that we are about to implement in my business. If you have never hired a coach, you should. And there are some very important reasons for that. Number one, a great coach is someone who can help you because they have been where you want to go. This means they know what obstacles may be standing in your way that you didn't even think of. This will shorten your learning curve immensely. Number two, a great coach will keep you accountable to your goals. They will encourage you and that you are doing great. And they will also call you out when you fall short. We all need tough love, and it's in the spirit of helping you get to where you want to go. And finally, number three, having a great coach helps you become a good coach. In my experience, the best coaches are also coachable. That's a very important quality of a successful person. So if you are not working with a coach, I encourage you to do so as soon as possible. And if you've ever thought about writing a book, I coach people through that process. You can email me, brian at brianklright.com. Once again, that's brian at brianklright.com. With all of this in mind, I would love to introduce my guest. His name is Matthew Pollard. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Matthew Pollard is an internationally recognized consultant, speaker, blogger, author, mentor, coach, and serial entrepreneur with five multi-million dollar business success stories under his belt, all before the age of 30. He's the founder and CEO of Rapid Growth LLC, dedicated to achieving maximum ROI for businesses of all size. Though his client list does include multiple Fortune 500 companies, his real passion is helping small business owners end the overwhelm, eliminate the stress and guesswork, and get on a clear path to rapid growth. Called The Real Deal by Forbes, his methods have transformed over 3,500 businesses to date, and we have so much to unwrap and unravel. He also is the author of a brand new book called The Introvert's Edge, The Introvert's Edge, How the Quiet and Shy Can Outsell Anyone. And I'm an introvert too, so I'm very interested in this. So here we are with my very special guest, Matthew Pollard. Matthew, how are you? I'm terrific, and thank you so much for having me on. Hey, you're so welcome. The first question I love to ask is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, To be honest with you, if it wasn't for, I guess, the adversities that I, I faced in life, I would be probably still doing data entry at a, at a job. And I, I'd be ecstatically happy about that because I wouldn't have known what life I could have had instead. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's exactly why I spend my life now helping people realize, people that are introverted, that they're not second-class citizens. Their path to success is just different than mm-hmm. that of an extrovert. Yeah, I love that. So your path did not start where you are now, clearly. So tell us about your path. Yeah, absolutely. So. 
I think that most people, and especially, and I appreciate you highlighting yourself as an introvert because the same thing happens with me when I, you know, people on my podcast that come onto my show and hear me, you know, and the audience that listens, a lot of times they hear that I'm articulate. They don't know how much planning and preparation went into that and, and, and how much focus I have to make sure that I, I present the best version of myself when I'm doing those activities. But what happens is whenever somebody gets to a point of success, we project extroversion upon them. And we assume that we can't do what they were able to achieve. And I mean, the, the thing that I keep telling people is, you know, when I was in late high school, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. I was really introverted. And, you know, luckily enough, I got diagnosed with this thing called Erlen syndrome, which basically means I can put on this funny pair of colored lenses and miraculously I can learn to read. Now, I can't learn to read like anybody else, but I, can, I could start the process of, of reading. But then what happened was I literally started uh, to work really hard now that I could. And I got into the, the top 20% of my state in, in the later years of high school, which was great. But my family could see I was exhausted. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So we all agreed I was going to take a year off to find myself. I'm sure people listening have probably had kids that did that. Uh -huh. My father was not okay with me just sitting on the couch and you know just wasting the year away i had to go get a job though so i took a job at a real estate agency and that real estate agency within the space of three weeks of doing data entry because that was the job that i took i definitely wasn't out the front selling they the, the manager of the office came up to me and he said man i am so sorry we just had a phone call with head office and they said they're sh shutting down this premise and this was in australia just before christmas time mm -hmm. and if, if people don't know Australia that well, it's summer at Christmas time. So people go on holidays on the 20th of December and don't come back till the 15th or 20th of January. So no one's hiring except for these things called commission only sales roles, which for me that, you know, I, I struggle with self-image issues my whole life. You know, I had mm -hmm. acne, I had funny colored lenses, I had braces at that time. I just, it wasn't okay, but I had no other option. So I applied for the three commission only jobs that were in the paper and I got all three interviews. And then I got three job offers and I'm like, well, maybe they see something in me that I don't see in myself. And very, very quickly, I was told, Matt, we just hire everybody. You know, we've got the saying, we throw mud up against the wall and we see what sticks. Mm -hmm. So I was the mud out selling business to business telecommunications. And after five days product training and not a single second of sales training, I get thrown on this road called Sydney Road in Melbourne, Australia. And literally, this is a, a whole street of junk stores, thousands of doors all in one place. So I guess... You know, when I get rejected, there's not far to go. But I had this realization, I don't even know what to say. So I went to walk into the first door. And then, you know, luckily enough, I was politely told to leave because shortly after that, I was less politely told to leave. I was sworn at. I was told to get a, a, a real job. And I mean, that was always my favorite. It was the only job I could get. Mm -hmm. But door after door, that happened until I made my first sale. I and that was my 93rd door, if you can imagine, going door to door for 92 rejections before getting my first sale. And I remember I was ecstatic for about, I don't know, maybe 45 seconds because I mean, I mean, I made $70. That was a lot of money back then. Mm -hmm. But then I had that realization, I got to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And I think that a lot of people, when they're confronted with that, they, they either fight through it or they give up, right? Fight or flight. And I mean, 18 people out of my training group of 20 quit by the next day. So most people quit. With, with, with small businesses, we try to do our best to survive, I guess, if it's our business. But then you've got those other people that, that grind it out. And that, I mean, that to me would have been horrific as well. So what I decided to do is make a different choice, which is I decided that if 
sales was going to work for me to not make my year horrific, it had to be a system. So I went looking for that system. And of course, there were tons of books on, on the topic, but I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. And unfortunately, podcasts didn't exist back then. But YouTube had just come on the scene. And I went, you know what? Let's give this a shot. I typed in sales system and all these videos came up. So I literally would go out in the field every day. And pre-warning, this is going to sound horrific. People aren't going to want to do this. But that's what I did. It was eight hours a day in the field, cold calling, and then eight hours at home, practicing the next step or perfecting the one I was working on. 16 hours on the weekends practicing. But door after door, I got better and better and better. I mean, I was 75 doors for my next sale, then 48, then 26, then 18, then three. About six weeks in, my manager pulls me aside. And I thought I was in trouble because, you know, he had this puzzled look on his face. And I, was, I mean, I was the quiet guy. I handed my paperwork in downstairs, didn't talk much upstairs with all these boisterous salespeople talking about how they locked in a deal or how the market's getting tougher. And he said to me, Matt, we're a little bit blown away by this. We just got our national sales report. And it turns out you're the number one salesperson in, in the country. I mean, that was the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere. Wow. Now, to put that in perspective, I mean, as I said, I wouldn't wish what I did on anyone, but I went from having no business being in sales to the best in the company in six weeks. Imagine if you did half as much, a tenth of much over six months. So for me, I then, you know, they saw me as a possible manager. So they put me in charge of a team, but I didn't know how to manage a team. I don't know why people think because you can sell, you can manage. I lost my first training group of 20, but I went back to YouTube, learned how to manage and figured it out. I got promoted seven times in the space of 12 months. I then went out and started my own business. Fast forward just shy of a decade, I'd been responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories. So for me, now I spend my life helping other small business owners, introverted small business owners, learn how to obtain rapid growth. And that's you know what led me to, to writing the book, The Introvert's Edge Series, because for me, I was fed up with everybody talking about how introverts have a disadvantage. For me, once I learned systems, I realized we have the edge when it comes to sales and networking and public speaking. We just don't think we can do it, so we don't even try. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So did how, how did you decide that you wanted to become an entrepreneur? I mean, at age 19, you went into business for yourself, right? Absolutely. So what was interesting is so I was in a commission-only sales role. And the thing that's interesting about commission-only sales is once you're good at it, your company wants to put you on more of a salary and far less commission. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was in telecommunications door-to-door, -door, and I was making well over a six-figure income at the age of 18. And for me, I mean, that, I think that was all I would, I would want. I would have been very happy there, but because I was young, I also wanted to see myself succeed, and I felt like I was starting to find a new version of myself and not a better version if I really wanted to just do data entry at a real estate agent. But for me, I was really enjoying that I, I got to help other people learn how to make incomes and support their families in different ways. A lot of the people that worked for me in that company were you know, in their 50s, in their 60s, looking to retire, but they'd never made great money or in their 30s, and they were trying to support a family. And I loved helping them learn a system because you know, most, a lot of the people that go into commission on these sales are introverted, but they, yeah. they jump into it because they want to afford themselves the opportunity to earn a better income with, and especially people that aren't degree qualified, there is mm -hmm. no better place to earn money than commission on these sales or running your own business. Right. Because you can earn exponential income. But what happened was every time I got promoted, I found myself getting a pay decrease. 
So what happens is I remember I, I got promoted to the state manager of Adelaide. They said, because I was in Melbourne, Australia, which is the equivalent to New York City in the United States, right? It's the biggest, you know, most, you know, well-known you know, well town. I mean, in, in Australia, you have LA and New York. In, uh, sorry, in the US, you have Australia, in LA and New York. In Melbourne, and Australia, in Australia, I should say, you have Sydney and Melbourne. And I was, in, I was in Melbourne, and I wanted to get promoted to state manager. And they said, Matt, you, you can't get promoted to state manager I mean, firstly, you're too young, but secondly, you need to go across to, you know, another state, prove yourself, and then we'll bring you back. So I went to Adelaide, uh, which is this really small town, and I mm -hmm. actually got it within two and a half months to outsell Melbourne and Sydney together. Wow. Well, we're going to be we're going to be going to a break just shortly. So I that is so awesome. I'm so glad that you finally found your way. And we're going to talk more about how to sell as an introvert when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's Gifts may gladden girls, but they seem to burden guys. That's what a recent study by Live Science says. Women respond with happy gratitude when they receive a present. But when a man unwraps a gift, he immediately feels a sense of obligation to the giver. Even those women who really don't like getting presents are pretty good at faking a smile. What do you call a person who fakes a smile? An exodesiast. According to psychologists, men tend to keep mental notes of what they got from whom and check it against their own generosity. Women, on the other hand, take gift-giving much less seriously. I guess ever since Eve gave Adam the apple, there's been trouble between sexes about gifts. Have you ever unwrapped a G-Food Jet? That's another name for any gift you'd just rather put in the garbage. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And my very special guest this week is Matthew Pollard. And we will talk about his book very shortly. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and do so. Leave a review. That would mean a lot. And oh, by the way, you can ask Alexa, Siri, your Google device or whatever to play Success Profiles Radio and you will hear the latest episodes. So do that. That would mean a lot. So Matthew, I want to ask you a question that I've asked a number of people lately on the show. What do you believe is the most expensive mistake you have ever made? 
it can be financial, doesn't have to be. It could be a time energy thing. It could be an opportunity loss that you should have taken advantage of. But what's the most expensive mistake that you believe you've made? You know, I, I actually think that the most expensive mistake I made was making the decision to start my own business without actually thinking about what business I wanted to start. Mm. So what's interesting is, you know, you asked me before the break, you know, why I why I started my entrepreneurial journey. Well, the answer was that I did get keep getting promoted. But every time I did, as I said, my, my pay kept going down. And when I came back from Adelaide to uh, uh, to Melbourne, Australia, because right, I did get promoted, you know, they, they promised they were going to look after me because I said, I can't keep taking the pay cut to come and, you know, make the organization better. You know, so you've got to look after me. And what happened was I came back and they put me on, you know, a salary and, it, and they gave me a target that was, you know, it was going to take me months and months to achieve. So I decided that's it. I'm going out for business for myself because they said, you're not going to get a better income working in any other job. And they were right. So I started my own business. But what happened was telecommunications was all that I knew. So I started a telecommunications business. And yes, it became the number one brokership for B2B cell phones in the country within the space of three years. And yes, it made multi you know multiples of millions of dollars i mean first year i mean it made over a million dollars with within that year and then wow. it grew to a 4.2 million dollar business but i was miserable i mean i i didn't like talking about call rates all the time what happened and while it was great experience for me what i realized is that if you're not passionate about the business that you run if you don't have this if, if, if everybody wants to create a successful business, and you see this happen all the time, career professionals are like, oh, I'm going to start a business, any business, I just want to work for myself. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing worse than a rapid growth business with customers you don't like in a business you can't stand. Right. And for me, so I lost lots of time at that period because for me, I had, I had years where I was, I was miserable and I could have been doing something I loved. I should have spent time going, okay, I can do this for a little while while I figure out exactly what I'm passionate about and the mission that I'm on because I could have been doing something that fulfilled me much, much more for many more years. And that those are years that I'll never get back. Right, exactly. So let me ask you this. What do you believe is the highest level skill that anyone can learn? I actually think it's the skill of stepping back and saying, what if? Because mm. for me, you know, I, I mean, of course, you'd expect me to say learning how to sell or learning how to network because you can generate a ton of business that way. But for me, what I find is people that the world works for don't do this. For me, the world didn't work. I couldn't read. I had to find another path. I couldn't sell. I had to find another path. But what I realized is the adversities that I faced in life seeded the success of my future because for me, because the world didn't work, like I couldn't read. So I'd ask questions in class. To get I'd ask questions in class to get people to talk about the book so I could figure out what the book was about. Or I'd watch the movie, but I understand that was only a small slice. So I'd talk about it further to get people to create class discussions to get the ideas out. It was my ability to say, is there another way to do this? Because the way everyone else is doing it doesn't work for me, which is when yeah. I moved into sales, I took a step back and said, is there another way? Right. When I looked at digital marketing, I took a step back and said, is there another way? I think that is the number one skill. People say, well, this is the way it works in our industry. Why? And why should you follow what everyone else is doing? That's a ticket to commoditizing yourself. Yeah. It, it drives me nuts that people say, well, that's the way it is in our industry. Or I'm an introvert, therefore I can't. Or I'm a put any word there, therefore mm -hmm. I can't. Or therefore, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to achieve the success of everyone else. For me, right. I see everything as a skills gap. That's it. 
And I step back and say, well, how can I learn a system or process to sidestep that skills gap while leveraging my natural strengths? I think that is the number one skill. If people go into the world saying, I can't do this, you're going to be right. Like that Henry Ford quote. If you think right. you can or if you think you can't, you're right. For me, I assume I can do everything. I just yeah. assume that I need to find a path that works for me and my unique competencies and passions and skill set. Absolutely. So what do you think is the highest level skill set, sales skill that you can learn? I think the, the answer to that is storytelling. And mm. firstly, storytelling fits everything from podcast interviews to networking conversations to sales to, I mean, telling stories to your kids, right? I mean, if you think about the, the, the way most people tell stories in business, though, or in their personal lives, usually mm -hmm. outside the story of how you met your perhaps, you know, husband, wife or uh, partner, you know, there's that, I mean, that story over time kind of gets perfected, right? You tell it mm -hmm. over and over and again, and you realize sometimes, you know, people, you know, roll their eyes at certain things they're not interested. So you remove talking about that. Sometimes people love things. So you embellish a little bit more. And over time, I mean, if it's like my wife, my, my wife and I, my story, you know, it becomes a little bit of a theatrical masterpiece, right? I say mm -hmm. certain things. She says certain things. We say things together. We look at them and we say, that's how we met. Yet most people in business settings don't tell stories like that. I think that most people in business settings, especially introverts, because they're trying to be mindful of people's time, they they quickly say, oh, we work with the customer, we got, we, we got an end result. And then they fill the entire sale or the entire networking conversation with jargon. And mm -hmm. they, they hit these people with fire hoses of information. Yet people don't tell stories. So mm -hmm. what I say, I, I explain this to people all the time. Firstly, if you can imagine watching a documentary for three hours versus watching a movie for three hours, you'd prefer to watch an average movie over a three hour documentary. At least most people would. Because mm -hmm. what happens is stories short circuit the logical brain. So you speak directly to the emotional mind. Literally, yeah. when you hear a story, your brain goes story time and it assumes all the detail in the story is fact and it listens for the moral. So it's super powerful. You know, we've done this with cold callers that can't get C-level executives to stay on the phone for more than eight seconds. Yet they'll sit there listening to a two and a half minute story. In networking, think of the power that that gives you. It also allows people to remember up to 22 times more information. So if you mm -hmm. sell a complex product at a networking event, or even if you're sharing an idea from stage, knowing that they'll remember more of what you say is powerful, but yeah. you also make it tangible in the story. And, and therefore, people actually feel like they're having an experience, which, which brings me to my next point. The last thing that I think the, probably the most important thing about stories that I want to share is especially for us introverts, when we tell a story, because we struggle with rapport. When we tell a story, it activates the reticular activating system of our brain and whoever's hearing it, which actually allows us to synchronize our brains. Now, when the brain synchronizes, it stimulates what's called, what, what is artificial rapport, which we can then leverage into real rapport. I mean, studies highlight that introverts are amazing at creating deep rapport. We struggle with the initial piece. So mm -hmm. leveraging stories are powerful. And funnily enough, for extroverts, they're very good at creating shallow rapport. But the problem is they can't go deep. And actually, stories allow them to do it in a deeper way than even they're capable of. Mm, that's amazing. Let's talk about your book, The Introvert's Edge, how, to, how the quiet and shy can outsell anyone. How did you decide to write this? <laughs> well, firstly, I didn't want to write this. So what was it? I mean, you think about my reading speed issues, right? So mm -hmm. people don't understand my world, right? When they say, you know, for me, I listen to this voice called Zara all the time. She reads me my emails. She reads me everything. Like I, I consume tons of books. I consume them on Audible, though. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I got to the United States, what happened was I made I made the decision that I was I was going to coach people 
on how to obtain rapid growth, right? So I was going to talk to them about how to differentiate, how to niche down, and how to create a sales system that works. And so I started speaking from stage, which again is another process that if introverts learn, we end up having being super powered because again, we can convey a message in a replicatable way that we can guarantee has an impact because we deliver it the same way all the time with slight customizations where extroverts tend to wing things. But what happened is I started delivering a keynote called Rapid Growth the Lazy Way. It was really well received, but what was interesting was a lot of introverts came up to me afterwards and they said, Matt, I loved your presentation. I got, I got a lot, don't get me wrong, I got a lot of value out of it. But the, the part where you talked about your introverted journey, I just, I had no idea as an introvert that I could sell, that I, that I could, you know, that I could do any of these so-called extroverted arena behaviors. And mm -hmm. that was liberating for me because for the longest time, I've always known that I had to accept subpar results in my business because I can't do these activities. And you're now telling me I can. So because of that, I went, you know what? Somebody's got to write a book on introverted sales, i.e. not me. Mm -hmm. Everybody I spoke to, and don't get me wrong, there are, I mean, Zig Ziglar was an introvert, right? Mm -hmm. There are tons of introverted leaders in the field, but everyone said to me, Matt, no one's going to buy a book on selling for introverts. And I went, there's not a book on the topic. How is that even possible that no one would buy it? Well, right. eventually, and I, I know you've read this story now, I worked with this guy called Derek Lewis, who was a ghostwriter that struggled to, to, to get any clients. I mean, he made you know $7,000, I think, by October when he reached out to me. And the year before, he'd only made twenty seven dollars for the year. He was convinced that people couldn't afford $20,000 for a ghostwritten book, which is way, way too low to charge. I mean, it's below industry averages, but he, he was convinced they couldn't afford it. Well, in less than four months, he made $120,000 and was charging $40,000 for a ghostwritten book. Now he charges $130,000 for a ghostwritten book and he's booked out till next year. And he's mm. like, Matt, you've got to put these strategies into a book. And he convinced me that we would do it together. I mean, I know you're, you're a ghostwriter yourself and that's the power of hiring a ghostwriter. You, you can still work and collaborate. I mean, there's still work there, but you know, I got to, he, he got to help me through that process. You know, he'd send me a whole bunch of words. I'd listen to them on Zara. I'd add, you know, he'd write, send 3000 words. I'd write 3000 words of notes. It was on and on. It was still a big process, but it was mm -hmm. doable. And yeah. you know, that allowed you know, me to get that book out. And I mean, that book's you know, in 16 languages now. It's sold 75,000 copies, and it's helped so many introverts. I'm ecstatic that I wrote it. But mm -hmm. in truth, I'm very different to a lot of other people. I didn't want to write the book. I needed the book to exist, though. And yes. now I'm glad that I went through the effort of making it happen. Exactly. We've got a little over a minute until our next break. So let me just ask, what do you think are maybe one of the top one or two challenges that introverts face in sales? Well, I, I think the first one is their belief that they can. I mean, most introverts believe that they just can't do it. And that barrier stops them from even trying. And then the second one is that understanding that what to do when they first have that initial dialogue because they think that they've got to do small talk they think that they have to be one of those people that's just naturally gregarious and they don't need to be someone that they're not <laughs> but if they don't do planning and preparation and because we try not to think about it we don't do any planning and preparation but that's setting ourselves up for failure if we can fix those two things our success will skyrocket Absolutely. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest this week is Matthew Pollard. His book is called The Introvert's Edge, How the Quiet and Shy Can Outsell Anyone. I'm an introvert too. I love this topic. What we're going to talk about after the break is how introverts can gain an edge in sales, how you can successfully gain rapport with someone without sounding cheesy or scripted, how we can sell without a hidden agenda, and a lot more. We will be right back. This is Success Profiles Radio.
the mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Matthew Pollard, and his book is called The Introvert's Edge, How the Quiet and Shy Can Outsell Anyone. So let me ask you next, Matthew, how can introverts gain an edge in sales? Because we think that the people who are outgoing and boisterous are ones that have the advantage. But is that really true? Well, the answer is that gregarious people have an advantage if they just walk into the room to sell something because as introverts, we struggle with that. And Mm -hmm. we often get stuck in our own heads trying to figure out what to say, which also leads to spending a ton of time beating ourselves up about what we should have said or didn't say because of that. Yet I'd prefer to spend that energy act beforehand, making sure I'm ready for that conversation. Mm -hmm. My belief is this, that if an introvert and extrovert go out and sell completely cold, an extrovert will beat us hands down every day of the week, twice on Sunday, and they'll feel great about doing it. Mm-hmm. On Absolutely. the other hand, an introvert, if they spend the time planning and preparing what they're going to say, following a process, you know, one of the jokes I make all the time is, my, and my publisher hates me when I say this, is I tell people they don't need to buy my book. You know, if they go to the introvertsedge.com and download the first chapter of my book, they'll find that there's a seven-step process. And I literally map out those seven steps. If they do nothing more than just grab what they currently say and fit it in the right order, they'll quickly realize some things don't fit and they shouldn't be saying that to customers. And then they'll realize there's some gaping holes and they'll fix that. And if they do that, they'll double their sales in the next 60 days and they'll feel a lot more comfortable doing it. See, once an introvert knows that there's a system and they just follow the bouncing ball, that's liberating firstly, because it's an external system and we can treat it like a scientist. And we can say, okay, let's change this variable. Does it improve our success or does it reduce it? But it's no longer about us. But then secondly, a planned process will always outperform a winged process. I mean, this isn't new stuff. Brian Tracy says the top 10% of all sales performers have a planned presentation, introvert, extrovert, regardless. It's the bottom 80% that wing things 
that the extroverts are the best at. Funnily enough, when I speak at leadership conferences, when I speak to some of the biggest sales leaders in the world, a larger percentage of those are introverted because mm. they've learned a system. And truthfully, the reason why we win is we hold on to it for dear life, where yeah. extroverts keep pushing away from it. So extroverts have an advantage only initially. An introvert with a system would beat them hands down. Oh, I love that. So which is more important, systems or skill set? Systems. Absolutely. Because I, I can give you an example. I mean, when you think about an extrovert, their ability to sell is connected largely to their mood. So if they're having a great sales week, I mean, everyone's heard that saying, when's the best time to make a sale? Right after the last one. Why? Mm -hmm. If you get a, an extrovert on a, on, a, on a momentum streak, they're going to sell deal after deal. But then they have a fight with their husband, their wife. You know, somebody dies in their family. They get a car payment that freaks them out. The interest rate on their mortgage goes up. Their mood shifts. And then their sales plummet. And because of that, you end up with this roller coaster ride of sales performance, which is terrible if you're a business owner trying to predict what sales you're going to write next week. Next mm -hmm. week. On top of it, if you're a business owner today, you're telling your husband or wife, let's book a holiday to the Bahamas because we're making so much money. And then next week you're like, you know what, let's be a little bit conservative and we'll just eat, you know, tuna and, and bread. So we need to bring consistency to our sales process. And that is why I believe that a planned process or a system allows us to, well, of course, it allows us to develop skill and talent, right? So developed skill and talent is powerful over natural skill and talent. But the reason why I like systems is if you know you're just following a process, you can do it every day of the week. So if something goes wrong with your family or, or something happens, sure, it might make a minute difference in your ability to sell, but you're still following the system. I mean, I know there was this one time I flew back from, I got asked to speak last minute an event in Thailand for Electrolux. Mm -hmm. and I went, you know what? I'll do this. It's a great event. I went and spoke. I flew back and I forgot that I wasn't in my twenties anymore. I was in my late thirties. And because of that, I, I had jet lag for like three days and I didn't bounce back and I had sales calls and I literally did those sales calls with my eyes closed. But because I knew my sales system so well, every word that I would have said would have been almost exactly the same. The inclination, you know, the, the little voice tonalities were exactly the same because I'd practiced them and I delivered almost in exactly the same closure rate because I was following a system. An extrovert that had done that they would have probably pushed themselves still to do those sales calls, but they probably, their closure rate would have been a tenth of what they would normally have got. Wow, that's that's great. How do you skillfully gain rapport with someone without sounding cheesy or scripted? Because I'll tell you what, when people try to connect with me on social media, for example, and sometimes the kinds of questions they ask, I know a pitch is coming, I just know it, I just know it, and I hate it. <laughs> so let let me, let me suggest some different skill sets. And what I will say is there's actually two answers to this, because if you're going to an appointment, it's different to when you're doing what we all tend to be doing pre, you know, post-COVID is having Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. So, and actually the Zoom call strategy I recently developed, I've never shared this on a podcast before. Mm. So the, the thing that I would suggest when you're going to meetings and you actually have to walk into an office is that you need to bring the conversation to your natural rapport conversations, things that you're interested in, but you also know that they're going to be open to talk about. For instance, when I used to sell, uh, I, I eventually, I, one day I, I started working with a whole bunch of residential salespeople as well. So I started teaching them what to do. And what I noticed 
is that when they were selling residentially, a lot of times they would walk in and how do you strike up rapport for somebody you just knocked on the door and now you're talking to them? Mm -hmm. So what we did is we taught them all to ask the person if they would like them to take their shoes off, regardless of whether they saw shoes there or not. And then the dialogue would then go to the fact that they appreciate people asking them because you see all these tradespeople that just walk in people's homes, they don't even ask. And next thing you know, they've got dirty shoes all over the house. And there are specific, you know, cultures that hate that. But also a lot of people don't like dragging in the, the, the stuff from all over the world into their homes. And all of a sudden they have this dialogue about how they've had somebody in the past that had muddy shoes that was a contractor that did that. Now I can have a conversation within the boundaries of what I'm comfortable with. I don't have mm-hmm. to talk about what's happening on a sports game, which I, I wouldn't know how to contribute to. Other yeah. times people will say to me, oh, um, I go into a business meeting and they'll say, oh, would you like a coffee? In the, my early years, I would say, oh, thank you so much. I, I, I'm going to politely decline, though. I've had two coffees already today. If I have one more, I'll be bouncing off the walls and I won't be able to sleep now. Right. I'd love a glass of water because you never want to completely refuse. Now, yeah. I say to people, oh, thank you so much. I actually stopped drinking coffee because I've moved to mate tea because it stops me having the highs and lows like a lot of other, you know, that I, as I got older, I found really uncomfortable. And then we'd have this whole dialogue about how they're a coffee lover. They can't imagine giving up coffee. Again, it's controlled. Now, when I do a Zoom call, it's so much easier because I, I mean, I hate sales calls where somebody says, oh, Matthew, um, I'm really glad to get on a call with you. You know, I'd love to know a little bit more about your business. What they're highlighting to me is they've done no research. Right. So my response to them is, oh, sure, absolutely. After reviewing my website, what questions do you have? Yes. Totally unstuck. So what I do, and then they'll, they'll admit to me almost nine times out of 10 that they, they didn't even check my website. They just got on the call unprepared. They've been spamming a thousand people. They got me and now here we are. So what yeah. I'll do is I'll say something like this, Brian, I'm ecstatic to be chatting with you today and you'll respond. And I'll say, now I've taken some time to review our past communications. I've checked out your LinkedIn profile and I've checked out your website. However, because a lot of your website and content and LinkedIn tends to be very static, what I'd like to do is take a step back, hear a little bit more about you what you're struggling with, and how I can be the most help to you in the time we have together today. And as soon as I do that, the message I've sent is I've planned, I've prepared, I've done my research, which means I save a ton of time in the call because they're not thinking about, oh, I've got to explain my entire business because they think that I've got it. It actually reduces the amount of time of the call. But on top of that, I've highlighted that I'm planned and prepared. And by the way, if you charge a high hourly rate and you don't do that, you're sending the message that your time is actually you don't come in prepared, which actually means that the time you're spending with a client isn't prepared. That's the last message you want to send to them. Right. I'm planned, I'm prepared, and I have an agenda. And what I then finish with is I want to understand, though, you know, how I can be the most help to you in the time we have together today. Those key words are really important because what it does is it takes the pressure off and the person goes, whew, and next thing you know, they see you in a totally different light. They almost see you as a consultant, not a salesperson. Mm-hmm. And they tell you specifically what they want help with. Their guard is now down because they respect you. Yet most sales calls fail to do that. Right. And because you're being so transparent, they know you don't have a hidden agenda. Absolutely. And because I say I'm here to help you, how can I be the most help to you in the time together today? Right. I'm not I, I don't say and this is what everybody thinks. Right? It's, it's I've done no research. Tell me what product you want so I can sell to you. That's the way it sounds for most people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We've got three minutes to our break. Let me ask, why are salespeople sometimes not very good listeners? Is it because they're just so, so stuck in their own agenda that they 
are just waiting for their turn to talk? <laughs> so firstly, every salesperson should be an amazing listener, right? Mm -hmm. Now, introverts statistically are better listeners than extroverts. Some might say extroverts, especially on the higher end of the spectrum, really struggle with listening. And some of them really get frustrated with that because they wish they could listen more. Well, there is, again, this is not something that you can't learn to do. You know, on my podcast, Better Business Coach podcast, I actually have a whole episode on active listening. But the thing is that it actually happens for two different reasons. Extroverts, yes, they're in their head thinking about what they want to say next. They're not participating and they're not listening. Introverts are actually reflecting on what they just said and why did they say that and they're beating themselves up about it and, and wondering what's happening and then, and then they've lost track of the conversation. I will say, though, introverts tend to be far, well, they definitely are far better listeners than their extroverted counterparts. So what generally mm. happens is that they do listen a lot more often, but then they get stuck in their head thinking of what to say next, which comes across poorly still. And like you haven't listened or, or, or you're thinking about other things, which is the last thing we want to come across as. Again, learn strategies, learn what to say, then you're going to come across as a, an amazing listener. Extroverts, on the other hand, they need to learn to actively listen because they really are just thinking about what they want to say next. So if they get a system for sales or networking, that actually allows them to know what they're going to say next. So they don't think about it. And they also know when that's going to come up. So it actually reduces the need for them to stop the process of participating in the conversation to think about what to say as well. So, I mean, systems work for both. But what happens is if an extrovert has a, sale, uh, has a system, they then start thinking about what they're going to have for breakfast because they don't know how to listen well. So it's a skill they have to learn. Absolutely. We've got a minute to our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. And I've got some, some questions left. They might have some longer answers. But what I do want to do is tease what I'm going to ask next. In B2B sales, we tend to encounter gatekeepers. I'm going to ask Matthew how we can get past that person. We have talked about storytelling. And so we're going to talk about whether or not stories of successful clients are the best ways to use storytelling. And we're going to talk about how to craft a great story. And when a customer objects to price, how do you handle all that? We have a lot more to talk about. And once again, if you've not gotten his book or listened to it or read it, it's called The Introvert's Edge, How the Quiet and Shy Can Outsell Anyone. And so if you are quiet and shy, just know that it is possible for you to do very, very well in sales, especially if you do the things we are talking about today. We will be right back. This is Success. Profiles Radio down the stretch we come when we return. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian.
interesting facts about people. If someone is lying to you, they tend to look up and to the left. A mythomane is a person who believes something is true when it isn't. You share your birthday with at least 9 million other people in the world. And 6.5 million people in the world have never seen or used a telephone. Boy, that would sure simplify life. What's a word that means yearning for the good old days? Hesternopothia. People with blue eyes are better able to see in the dark. In a lifetime, an average person walks a distance of five times around the earth. Women from Senegal spend 17 hours a week collecting water. Hmm, maybe I don't yearn for the good old days after all. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Matthew Pollard, and his book is called The Introvert's Edge, How the Quiet and Shy Can Outsell Anyone. And if you have not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, you can do that at successprofilesmagazine.com. This month's issue just got released, and it features Tom Latigard. We talk about how to trademark protect your property. That is so important if you've got intellectual property to protect it because you don't know what other people's intentions might be. Protect yourself at all times. So, Matthew, I would love to ask you about getting past gatekeepers if we are selling to businesses. That person's job, of course, is to protect the person you want to talk to. But how can we get past that person? Because their job is to say no, it's not to say yes. Well, the answer is that you can't ask them a direct question that they'll know the answer to. It's actually a lot easier than you think. Like, So mm. if you reach out and say, hey, I've got this really great offer and I was hoping I could speak to the business owner about that, well, good luck. That's I mean, exactly what they've been told to avoid making happen. I mean, to give you an example, when I back in the day, I used to sell telecommunication and no business owner wants to speak to a telecommunication sales rep ever, Mm -hmm. right? Especially the one that's walked in off the street or called on the phone and and, and says, hey, I'd love to sell telecommunication. I'd love to talk to you about your, your telecommunications plans. And no one wants to do that. So I would literally just walk into a business and say, you know, um, I firstly obviously say, hi, how are you? You know, it'd be nice and pleasant to the to the gatekeeper. And when it got to talking about what it was that I was calling for or show, showing into, uh, coming into the office for, I'd say something like, you know, um, you know, I'm from X organization and we're trialing out a new something. And my job is really just to see whether or not you qualify for that. Are you the right person to speak to? Because then the answer becomes, I'm not the right person to speak to. Great. Who is? Let's go chat with them. And that transitions the entire conversation. So if you're explicit about what you're offering, they might respond with, actually, I'm not the right person to speak to, but he won't be interested or but she will not be interested. But if you keep it more vague and, uh, and more engaging, that it may be something that might the, the business owner might get, receive, 
special offer, you know, unique opportunity, something that allows them to have a dialogue. It could be, hey, um, g'day, I'm from X organization and we're opening up a new networking organization, um, a, a, sorry, a new uh, networking event around the corner and we're being very, very specific about who comes to that to create a unique situation. And my job's really just to see whether or not you qualify uh, or, or, the, or the business owner qualifies to attend this event. Are you the right person to speak to? Of course they're not. Right. Now, what will happen is, and, and I saw this with telecommunications all the time, they're not programmed to say no to I, something that they don't have an answer for. They're programmed to say no to specific products and services or any products and services that they can see are not a fit or something that they've already got. So mm -hmm. what will happen is they'd look at me puzzled and it was like they had a brain meltdown. And then they, 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 they'd say, no, I'm, I'm not, but John is. And then they'd walk in to get John and they'd say, hey, John, there's a guy here that wants to see if you qualify for something. And then John would then walk out and say, what's this about? Now I'm talking to the business owner. Right. Other That's times they'd right. say, no, I'm not the right person to speak to. John is, but he won't be interested. I'd say, okay, no problem at all. And I then grab their card and write John on it. Then I'd call the person on the card later and say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'd like to speak to John, please. Yeah. And a lot of the times I then get put through because mm -hmm. I didn't know the name of the person. Now I do. And mm -hmm. because of that, I get through the door and they'll say, oh, what's it in regards to? And I'd say, oh, it's just here. I'm just calling to see if they qualify for dot, dot, dot. Oh, OK, I'll put you through. Perfect. I love that. We talked a little bit about storytelling earlier and how important that is. Do you find that stories of successful client experiences are the best way to use stories? Absolutely. So I, well, actually there are three real major drivers um, that stories are great for. The okay. first one is customer success stories. Absolutely. I also love stories and yes, they should still be success stories, but I love stories of customers that had an objection. They really thought that they, you really thought they weren't going to work with you and you had to get around that objection, but then they worked with you. And why are they so glad that they did? And then the other story is, and, and if this ever happens, these are the best stories. Customers that actually went with somebody else and then ended up working with you and why they're so happy that they did. If you've got a series of those stories, then they're really powerful. The problem is that you should never, and I'm going to say never twice, because you should never, ever use them as testimonials. And what I mean by that is that if you use it as a testimonial, I mean, we use testimonials to sell. And the goal for me is to never be seen as a salesperson. So what will happen going back to the inbound sales meeting like we were talking about, Brian, before is I'll say, and how can I be the most help to you in the time we have together today? And then you will start talking about something that you're really struggling with. And I'll go, oh, that's really interesting. Now, I don't want to project anything. Let me ask you this question. And then you'll then answer that question. And the question is to set up that you have a deeper issue. And then I'll say, well, what concerns me about that answer? Well, that's a great start. However, what I'm worried about is this. And then I'll start talking from a logical perspective about why I think that they need to consider something else. And I say, actually, you know what? Like, I've, like I'm interrupting myself. Like I don't want to get into jargon. I'll say, actually, let me give you an example. And then I will tell a story. But I'll use that story in order to come across as educational while motivating and inspiring action. And that is how I embed myself as the only logical choice. If you I love that. Testimonials at the end, that's salesy. If you use it to explain what you do, you keep yourself out of jargon and the customer's like, oh, how do I, how do I get what this person has? That's fantastic. So how do you craft a great story? 
Well, the first thing you have to realize is there are four parts to a great story. So most people focus on, oh, customer had this problem and here's all the cool stuff we did together. And then we, you know, they got a great result and that's the end of the story. Most people don't spend the time truly explaining the person's problem and the outcome they got. And then they forget that the way they see the outcome may not be the way that the person they're speaking to sees the outcome. So what I suggest is every story should have four parts. You should talk about the problem. You should talk about the analysis and the implementation. You should talk about the outcome that you gave them. And then you should deliver the moral of the story. For instance, if I told my personal story, and by the way, when you're in a sales call, don't talk, tell your personal story. Tell a story of one. Of, I always believe that, you know, I've got a, tra a training on the Introvert You platform called One Story Away. And I, I, I talk about the fact that most businesses are one story away from the rapid growth business they love. Because my belief is that if you've got one story that conveys your value in a way that's also educational and you can deliver that story, then that person's going to want to work with you if it hits these elements. So when you talk about problems, you want to make sure you convey the real cost of the problem, the opportunity cost of the problem, and the emotional cost of the problem. For instance, I worked with, a, uh, I worked with a electrician once who had staff that weren't cleaning up after themselves. And I was like, well, how much is that costing you? Basically nothing. But then we started to investigate that he was getting about three referrals every 10 clients he worked with. And his staff were only were working with four times as many people every month, but getting less testimonials. Cool. So we worked out the cost of that. And it worked out he was losing like $50,000 minimum a month in testimonials. That's the opportunity cost that most people don't look at. And then we looked at the, the emotional cost. And firstly, that stressed him out, which was emotional. But also, a lot of times, he'd get called in by a customer to clean up after their staff on a Friday night because he couldn't get in contact with the staff. And he'd be in trouble with his wife because, you know, he was missing dance recitals and football games. So then when you talk about the problem from all of those dimensions, then the customer can feel that person's plight. Of course, don't say, I had a customer. Give the customer, the, use their real name or give the customer a name. Don't use a company name. Make them a real person. Because I can't feel the, mo the emotions of a customer or right. a company name. But I can feel the emotions of a person. So if you say, John had the, you know, and, and his wife would, and, his, and his daughter weren't talking to him because, you know, missing dance recitals. Anyway, we gave them customer service training. And then now, you know, the, the, they're cleaning up after themselves. So they're not having to go back. We've got a lot more referrals. And best of all, their wife's talking to them again. Their daughter's talking to them again. Now we've got this emotional wow element attached to it. So you have to cover all three elements at the beginning and at the end. Notice how quickly I glossed over the implementation, because customers don't care. They right. don't care that you had somebody with a problem and they got them to the outcome. And then you need to resonate the moral. So for me, I'll say something like, you know, and that is why, you know, for for people that, you know, sometimes they don't think they have any problems. Sometimes the smallest little inkling problems actually can lead to the biggest issues in your business. And Absolutely. Because, oh, yeah. and that's why it's really powerful. Great. We've got less than three minutes until the end. When a customer objects to price, how do you handle that? First thing you say, I perfectly understand. Last thing I want to do is waste any of your time, however, and go straight into a story, right? And the reason for that is that you want to give yourself time to think, and then you want to go into a story of someone else that had an issue with price. The second thing I will tell you is usually price means 
that you've either that they've asked the price too early, and that means you haven't set an agenda and told them how you're going to handle the process, or your story hasn't seeded enough value. So usually that's a, a sign of a different problem. However, when they have an issue with price, if you've got if you handle that and then go into a story, if you've only got one product, that's what I would do. But otherwise, I would actually have a series of packages. If you had three packages, you can bring them up and down the package equation for pricing. Most people think that they only have one product. You can easily have a series of packages. And if you do that, they you then don't get into a discounting conversation, but a how much work do I want from this person conversation? And usually they'll then go with the product originally. They were just searching for a discount. Absolutely. And the question I ask everyone at the end, who inspires and motivates you? You know, I get a lot of inspiration from a lot of different people. Uh, however, I will say that right uh, this second, uh, the person that inspires me is actually Michael McCullowitz. I think he does a great job of, of helping accountants realize that they can have successful businesses. And, you know, I think the accounting field is a ton of introverts, which is a space I work in a lot. So mm -hmm. you know, he's inspiring me to, to, uh, to, to actually do more for that sector. Fantastic. How do we find you? How do we work with you? How do we try with you and vibe with you? Well, I would suggest I put a ton of free content out on social media, YouTube. I learned on YouTube. I put a ton of free content out there. But I would suggest to people, go to theintrovertsedge.com. You don't have to buy the book. Download the first chapter. Convince yourself you can sell as an introvert and learn that seven-step process. You can do all of that in the first chapter. So start there. I love that. Matthew, thank you so much for being here today. It was an honor and a privilege to interview you and everyone go pick up his book. And once again, it's called The Introvert's Edge, How the Quiet and Shy Can Outsell Anyone. Thank you for being here, my friend. It was my absolute pleasure, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Have a great day. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.